Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, Poems, Prayers, and Promises, a look at a variety of psalms. The psalms are the prayers of God's people, encouraging and teaching us how to pray in our day. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. As I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, we're going to be finishing up uh, this Sunday our uh, series, Poems, Prayers, and Promises, which was mainly taught while I was off on sabbatical. And again, I'm very grateful for the team of guys that we had teaching, uh, five other guys from our congregation, and then Philip Moore, who used to be part of our congregation, coming back and helping. Uh, I've received so much positive uh, feedback from everybody about what a great job they did. And uh, so I'm going to be concluding it today with really, you can kind of think about this a little bit uh, like in applying the word for the whole series. So we're going to look at Psalm 62, verse 8. Psalm 62, verse 8. So hear now the word of your Redeemer and King. Trust Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Um, one of the things that uh, I see regularly within my family, my son John is still in the Marine Corps Reserves. He had served on active duty, but he's still in the reserves, and he's actually a company commander of his unit, and that involves a lot of different things, you know, paperwork and different things that are going on. But one of the most important things they do is they periodically go out to the field to practice. Uh, in fact, his unit is actually gone right now for several weeks uh, doing amphibious exercises and getting out there and doing it. And it's really important because it's one thing to kind of talk about it, have classroom discussions about it. It's another thing when you actually go out and you got to do it. It's another thing when you've got to land and hit the beach and practice. So these reserve units are constantly in training, but then you actually have to come together and go out and put the training in to practice. Because in most of life, the ultimate issue is not head knowledge, but application. So if you've been around our congregation for a while, you know every, every week you can tell when we're getting close to the end of the teaching what flashes up on the screen. Applying the Word, where I talk about and say, okay, so this is what the Scripture has said. We've talked about it. Now, how do we put that into application in our life, our day, our culture, our context? Well, again, what I'm really going to do, we have, we have talked about prayer all summer long. We've been looking at the Psalms, and it is especially true in prayer that it's not about head knowledge, it's about practice. It's about actually doing it. It doesn't matter that I could write books about prayer if I don't pray. Nothing has really been gained or accomplished. And so we're going to be talking about how to put the Psalms into practice in our prayer life. So today, in essence, is really an extended applying the word from the whole series. Now, notice here in the verse that I picked today, uh, this verse really talks about what I would refer to as an unshakable life. Notice in Psalm 62, verse 8, it begins by saying, trust him at all times, O people. Now, this is important because we're going to see the psalm turns in a moment to prayer. But with everything we've discussed about prayer this summer, it's important for us to remember the goal is not even really prayer. The goal is us trusting God. 
The goal is our relationship with God growing and being strengthened and becoming strong. And so the psalmist here begins this verse by saying, look, here's where we're headed. What we want to know is we want to be able to trust God. And so notice he, he goes on because we can all say at certain times, if we're honest, when things are going well, I can say, yes, I'm trusting Jesus. And then tomorrow hits and it's tough. So notice what the psalm says, trust him when? At all times. See, that's where the difficulty comes in, the at all times. That's why I'm saying it's about an unshakable life because shaking goes on. Life is full of that. Prayer that we've talked about all summer long does not change and make it where I don't have that kind of stuff going on in life. There are people out there that will tell you, hey, if you just have enough faith, you know, everything's going to be resolved. No, it's not. That's not the way life works. That's not what the scripture teaches. But what it does teach is we can learn to trust God at all times. Because you and I were created to walk with God. And in the scripture, this is always done by faith. The word trust is the word faith in both Hebrew and Greek. And it really means the same thing in English. That's what it's driving at. Faith is never about head knowledge. It's about a heart response to God, that we are walking with him uh, in faith. And so a life that is lived apart from walking with God and trust is going to lack a firm foundation. And what that means is it's always going to be rocked by the unpredictability and the fluctuations of life. One thing is certain, your life is going to have ups and downs this week, this month, this year. It's going to be full of that. that you know, there's an old saying, constant change is here to stay. That's the way life is. That's the way it works for us. And so the psalmist is saying, look, those things are going to happen. And again, you know, I love because the book of Psalms is largely attributed to David. And when you look at David's life, it was full of of difficulties. We like looking back at David versus Goliath, right? But how many of us like standing out there with Goliath staring us down? We like those stories after they're done, not in the midst of them. But David is teaching us how to trust God in the midst of the trials. So that's the first thing is we're trusting God. Secondly, notice what he says, and this is kind of what we've been learning in the whole series. The means to learning to trust God is pouring out our hearts to God in prayer. So the second phrase is pour out your hearts to him. How do I learn to trust God? I learn by pouring out my heart to him. This is a very descriptive phrase that gets used you know, fairly often in the Psalms and in the Old Testament that we are pouring out our heart. You know, they would oftentimes worship and pour out offerings to God. Here the idea is that rather than pouring out some kind of liquid or some grain, what I'm actually pouring out is myself. I'm laying myself before God. I'm entrusting myself to God. And so trusting God in the midst of the difficulties of life doesn't happen in a vacuum. We get into the difficulties. We get into the hard times. And and that, at that moment, we have the opportunity to turn to God in prayer and to open up to God in prayer, pouring out our hearts to him. And so those who will learn to pour out their hearts to God in every circumstance and season, and that means it's just as important that we do it in the good circumstances. We began today by reading Psalm 18, which is David after he was delivered from Saul. But see, what we see in the scripture is 
when, when he was in normal days, he was crying out to God. When Saul was trying to kill him, he was crying out to God. When he was delivered from Saul, he was crying out to God. Every season, David was doing that. And those who learn to pour out their hearts to God in every circumstance and season of life will develop and sustain a faith that's able to trust God at all times. You see how the psalm is building it off. And then that leads to the final point, which is the reason we can do this is God is our refuge. As you read the stories of David, you see over and over again, the refuge was literal. He's hiding in a cave. He's hiding in valleys and nooks and crannies away from Saul. And David is saying, just like those rocks were my refuge. You know who really was my refuge? The Lord was my refuge. God was my refuge. I looked to Yahweh, and he was the one who was protecting me. And so what the psalmist is saying here is, look, why should you trust God at all times? Because he is your refuge. Why do we bother pouring out our hearts to him at all times? Because he is our refuge. And so the more we understand that God is our refuge in the midst of this storm-tossed world, the more we will find ourselves drawing near to him in prayer so that we can trust him. But I remind us this is so important. We're going to face good times and bad times, mediocre times. But uh, Jonathan Edwards, one of my favorite uh, preachers and theologians, stated many years ago, the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. The sun doesn't change. The question is, am I like wax and get softened up by it, or am I like clay and become hard and brittle? So when life is shining on us, so to speak, am I going to be softened and I turn to God in prayer so that I learn to trust him? Or do I become hardened so that rather than turning to God, I fret and I try and work it out on my own. And instead of trusting God, I find myself walking away from him. That's what the psalmist is calling for us to do. And that, in fact, is what the book of Psalms is all about. They teach us how to pour out our hearts to God. So we're going to have two basic sections here that we're going to look at. First, I want to talk about five reasons why the Psalms should be a big part of our lives of prayer. It wasn't just random that we did the Psalms this summer. If you actually look at in our catechism, when we come to the section on prayer, one of the things we say is the best way to learn how to pray is in the Scripture itself, and we specifically mention the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms should be a regular part of our prayer lives. And then I want to come back and talk about five tips on how to actually work the Psalms into our prayer life. So, number one, why should the Psalms be a big part of our lives of prayer? Number one, because the Psalms are God's word to us. Prayer must be formed by and filled by the word of God. And the Psalms are not just the words of human beings. They are, in fact, the words of God to us. So we, we name this series, Poems, Prayers, and Promises, mainly because I grew up in the 70s and I liked John Denver, and he had a song named that, which some of my kids knew right off. That's why I picked it. So now you all know how my brain works. But, but obviously, because these psalms are poems, and they are prayers, but they are also promises. The Psalms are full of promises because God is speaking to us. So those Psalms give us promises which call us to prayer. And one of the things we see over and over in the Psalms is the psalmist recounts God's promises. Lord, I'm in a fix. 
I'm in a mess, but I remember, I'm strengthened by, I remember this fact. You gave this promise, and I'm reminding you of the promise you gave to me, Lord. I am your servant. Do not abandon me. Don't abandon the work of your hands. Hold on to me. The Psalms are full of God's promises and the example of recounting God's promises in prayer. There was a bad idea floated around the church a number of years ago, you know, that you only pray something once or else you're showing a lack of faith. God actually says in the scripture, faith is shown by the fact that we come back time after time after time, and we recount God's promises over and over and over again. God likes that we remind him of the promises. God likes that we do it day after day after day. And so the Psalms first off, have these promises, but secondly, because they're God's word to us, they also give God's commands for us. And prayer includes me aligning myself with God. There's a strong tradition in the history of the church that says, look, prayer's not really, it's not about trying to get God to change his mind. It's about getting myself aligned with God. That's the main thing that is going on in prayer. And if you spend a lot of time in prayer, you will definitely find yourself sometimes coming out of it feeling like, man, I just went through the ringer. <laughs> the Lord's showing things to me. The Lord's working. He's revealing things in my heart. Well, the Psalms contain the commands of God for us, and in prayer, we are aligning ourselves with God's word and God's will. See, I can't pray for that which I know goes against the will of God, okay? God, help me steal this object and get away with it. No. God, Help me get involved in this sexual relationship that goes against your word. No. God, help me, not if it goes against the word of God. And it doesn't matter how strongly I feel like this is the way it is. The Psalms contain God's word to me. In fact, the longest psalm, most of us know it's the longest chapter in the Bible, is what? 119. And what is the entire psalm about? Yep, God's law, God's word. In fact, you know, remember it's an acrostic. It begins with the equivalent of the Hebrew A, Aleph. And it's eight verses that every verse begins with Aleph. And then every verse next begins with Bait. And then every, it's the ABCs of the word of God. And it's at the heart of the book of Psalms. Uh, in fact, it's the last psalm before that began the Psalms of Ascent that I taught a couple of Psalms of Ascent that the pilgrims would sing. The last one before that is Psalm 119, which is all about the Word of God. So first off, the Psalms should be a big part of our lives of prayer because they are God's Word to us, and our prayers need to be filled with the Word of God. Secondly, the Psalms are a believer's Word to God. The rest of the Bible, I mean, the book of Philippians is entirely God's word to us as well. But one of the differences is Psalms is also our words back to God, whereas mainly Philippians is just God speaking to us. So here we have the prayers of God's people. And they are prayers, and they give us words that we can pray as we commune with God, as we confess our sin as we pour out our hearts to him, as we worship him, as we thank him, as we lay our requests before him. You know, this morning, if you notice, you know, Greg said after singing and worshiping this morning, he wanted to shout to God. And then I'm going to go ahead and say, you got that next passage out of Psalms. Because when you're wanting to shout to God, guess what? We've got words that say, this is what you can do. You can cry out to it. Now, the amazing thing is, see, there's many things we can pray. But, you know, I, I tell you all regularly when we're standing up here, 
I, I labor hard to teach the Word of God accurately, but what's the one time in the meeting you know God is speaking? Or there's actually several of these. When do you know God is speaking? When the Scripture's being read, there's no debate or discussion. You can, you can quibble with me about things I say here or whatever, that's fine. But when the Scripture's being read, God is speaking. Well, when I pray, I try to have my prayers informed by Scripture. I try to make them right, but I could be right, and I could be wrong on what I pray. How do I know that my prayer is right? When it's coming right out of the Scripture. So when I'm praying a psalm, I know it is right because it's, it is a Spirit-inspired prayer. So the advantage of these particular uh, examples of God's people speaking to Him is they are absolutely perfect by the Holy Spirit. So it's God's Word to us, and it's, it's our words back to God. Thirdly, the Psalms should be a, a, an important part of our prayer lives because they give our prayers breadth. And what I mean by that is they cover many, many topics. Now, I'm going to say something shocking that y'all probably didn't know. A lot of Christians struggle with prayer. That's a shock to y'all, right? Because all of y'all find prayer so easy. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, I am known, I've been leading prayer not only in our congregation and trying to make our congregation a house of prayer, but I've been leading the pastors in this county in prayer for most of my 29 years here. I work every week trying to gather pastors in prayer and do it. And here's the reality. When it's time for me to pray days this week, there are days where I'm like, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. It can be a struggle. It can be difficult. Well, let me tell you one of the reasons I think believers struggle the most is because our prayers lack breadth. We pray the same thing every day. And if we do the same thing every day, what does it become after a while? Just routine and rote, and it seems to lose life. But see, when you read the Psalms and you move from one Psalm to the other, it is constantly changing. Life is changing. There are so many different topics. And so remember in our text for today, it says, you know, that we're to trust God at how many times? All times. And we do that by pouring out our hearts to Him, which means I need to pour out my heart to God in what life situations? All of them. Well, the Psalms are full of every possible life situation. If you look in the middle of your booklet today, and this is also available on the website, uh, this, is, this is not holy writ, but I compiled a whole bunch of different types of psalms. So you can look in there. There are psalms of thanksgiving. There are wisdom psalms. There are songs of lament. There are songs of confession. There are hymns of praise. Um, there are even psalms of imprecation where people are being persecuted. There's every type of psalm imaginable. And all I did is I kind of described what each of those are. There's probably about a dozen or 15 different types I've got there. And then I give a group of different psalms. So it's a great way to say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is how I'm feeling. I've sinned how do I confess it to God? Well, look up a psalm of confession and pray that psalm. I'm, you know, I'm really feeling grateful right now. I want to shout to God. Well, look up a psalm of praise and it'll give you words to be able to do that. It is a great way to be able to do it. And if you look back in this series, we've covered many of these types of psalms in this actual series. And so let it guide you into breadth in your prayer life. If you struggle in prayer, and most of us do, 
one of the reasons is we get too narrowed in. Prayer becomes a shopping list. God, I need this. Well, that is one part of prayer. But if that is what constitutes my prayer life, it is a very narrow prayer life. There is not much to that life of prayer. And so we need to recognize that and let the Psalms guide you into pouring out your heart to God in all times and in all seasons of life. Fourth reason is the Psalms not only give our prayers breadth, they give our prayers depth. And what I mean by that is intensity. Another reason we struggle in prayer is we lack emotion. And one of the reasons we lack emotion is we sanitize our prayers. I honestly believe sometimes God sits there and probably nudges an angel and says, would you listen to this? I know what's going on in their heart right now, but you would have no clue from the words coming out of their mouth. They're not being honest. But let's be open and honest. When you read the Psalms, does David have a problem saying what's going on? Ooh, no. That guy, can he can lay it on the line. Okay, but amazingly, God says, this is the man after my own heart. These are the the prayers that are authorized by the scripture. They are so full of deep emotions and strong language. When David's feeling strong, he uses strong words. Sometimes we just struggle because I can't come up with the right word. I'm getting frustrated and I don't know how to say it. Well, David does. He knows how to say it. He put it into words for us right there. Now, I remember years ago, I actually taught the book of Psalms for, we did like 20 weeks in the book of Psalms many years ago. And I had a mature believer come up to me afterwards because as I'm doing right now today, I was encouraging people, pray the Psalms. And I had a mature believer come up to me after a few weeks and said, I got a question. Are you sure it's okay for me to talk to God this way? I mean, wow, this is, this is blunt with God. And I was like, well, there have been billions and billions and billions of prayers in human history, and God picked out 150 he really liked. Here they are. So yes, it's okay to pray, God, you've forgotten me. Surely God is good to Israel, but as for me, I'm looking around, and it seems like the more wicked you are, the better you are. Okay, if you can't imagine talking to God that way, that's probably why prayer seems boring. It, I mean, you know, the picture in Scripture is we're actually wrestling in prayer. That certainly includes wrestling with my own heart. But it also does include this picture kind of like, you know, Jacob and the angel and hanging on to God and saying, here's your promises, and I don't understand. This is what's happening. Where are you at? I feel forsaken. What's going on here, God? There is a depth of emotion, and the book of Psalms tells us. And again, because I'm praying what the psalm says, I don't then have to back up and say, oh, that was probably not good. This is the word of God. I know I can pray this before my God. So there really are, the the Psalms are there to be a guide for how we pour our hearts out to God with depth, with emotion, and truthful expressions of what's going on in our soul. And let me remind you, you may hide it from me, you may hide it from your spouse, you're not hiding it from God. He already knows 
what's going on in your soul. Even if you're saying, I feel abandoned and I know it's wrong, I know I'm not abandoned, God knows exactly how you're feeling and how you're wrestling. Just get it out. Lay it out before him. Walk with him through it. See, does this, does this sound boring? Praying about every aspect of life and praying with depth of emotion about what's really going on in my soul? See, this is the opposite of boring. But we don't want to do that, and therefore we struggle with it. But see, that's why the Psalms are there. So to sum it all up, the, the last thing is the Psalms teach us how to pray. They are a handbook of prayer. You know the best way to learn how to do something? Get with a master who knows what they're doing. We've forgotten this today. It used to be in the ancient world, if, if I wanted to be a carpenter, there would be a lot of prayer going on here, right? But if you wanted to learn how to be a carpenter, let's, let's put it you, if you wanted to learn how to be a carpenter, would it be better to hang out with me doing carpentry or Greg Younger doing carpentry? The answer is Greg. You can go ahead and say it. I won't be offended. I'm not God, but I know what's going on in your hearts, Okay. You, you go to somebody who knows what they're doing. Well, you know what? David's a master of prayer. He's the man after God's own heart. Despite all that he botched and blew in this life. I mean, man, he made a mess of it. But he was after God. And he was after God in prayer. And so the best way to learn how to pray is walk behind as close as a human being is going to get to being a master of prayer. Now, the first, obviously, is our Lord Jesus. But the, the Psalms teach us, if you don't know what to pray, if you don't know how to do something, see, if I, if I wanted to work on some kind of a carpentry thing and I wasn't sure what to do, what I do is I go get next to somebody and say, hey, can you show me how to do this? Can you help me understand? Well, you're going to face it in prayer, and so do I. I've been praying for 42 years now, and I still, or actually 44 years, I still run into things where I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what to pray. Oh, yeah, I bet David went through something like this, and he can teach me how to pray in this kind of a circumstance. So that's where, again, that breath comes back. Let the Psalms teach us how to pray. Now, how do we actually put it into practice? I'm really, we're, we're, the, the wheels are going to hit the road here for the whole series. How do we actually do this? Let me give five ways. Number one, simply pray them verbatim as an introduction to your prayer time. I began this a number of years ago. And so I don't, I don't do this all the time. Right now I'm doing something different. I have a, a book that's actually me praying for Linda every morning that begins my prayer time after my quiet time. But for many times through the years, I'll just start praying the Psalms. And it means when I start that, I open it Psalm 1, and I just pray Psalm 1. What I oftentimes even do is I will listen, to, close my eyes and listen to Psalm 1 on an audio Bible. And then I will open and I will read along as I listen again and I let that be my prayer. And then I let that start guiding me into prayer. So if I ever, you know, text you and say, hey, I'm praying for you today, anything specific I can be praying about, if I've been praying the Psalms, what you could know is if I was praying Psalm 1 and I'm praying for Kelby, I would be saying, oh Lord, let your word be a delight to Kelby. Let him be like a tree planted by streams of water so that he's going to bear fruit in season. Lord, I pray that you would keep him steady and strong. And I just let the Psalm guide my prayer. And it starts with just praying it verbatim. Again, it's God's word. <laughs> you can't go wrong. They can be really uh, wonderful to do that. So number two, that, that's just, when I do that, if I'm praying Psalm 1 on Monday, here, here's my spirit-led method, guess what I pray on Tuesday? Psalm 2. <laughs> Wednesday, anybody going to track with me here? Psalm 3. 
You just pray through them. I'm not looking for a particular psalm. I'm just saying I know it's God's word. It's going to have truth, and I'm going to let it guide me in prayer. A second way we can do it is we can pray them verbatim to express our needs and desires in a certain situation. Again, go back to the handout, okay? So rather than just praying the next psalm in the list, again, if I'm wanting to pray praise, I just do a prayer of praise. If I am crying out to God that I need, you know, uh, Lord, I, I, I'm needing reassurance of your presence. Watch out. Maybe I'll go to Psalm 121. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. Okay? I look for a particular thing. Some of you, if you were here a really, really long time ago, this will go back, but you remember when there was the DC sniper? Remember that? Now, it's been a while, but everybody remember how panicky everybody was? Okay, it was going on. I stood up one Sunday and prayed regarding that situation, and I had so many people come up afterwards and say, that was an amazing prayer. Where did you get it? And I was like, it was a psalm. Because the psalm actually said, Lord, he hides in the bushes and he strikes the innocent down as they go by. And people thought I had written a prayer for the D.C. sniper. No David wrote a prayer thousands of years ago about a similar situation, and all I did was pray that psalm. Because when I read that psalm, I said, this expresses what's going on in my heart right now, and I'm pretty sure it's what's going on in all of our hearts right now. So have that situation. Have it come up. Let the psalms give you those words. Number three, you can model your own prayer after the psalms. In other words, you don't have to do an entire psalm. You can take a phrase out of it. You can build your own. When I did a worship class in seminary, one of the things our professor made us do was take psalms and then do even looser than the message translation. We had to take the psalm and paraphrase it and build our own prayer that he could recognize its relationship back to the psalm, but I wasn't just writing that psalm out or changing a word here or there. I had to take time and think through and let that psalm sink in and say, how would I express this today? It's a good exercise. Sometimes prayer can be sitting there before God and even writing out a prayer taking the time and saying, Lord, I sent you working in my heart and my spirit, and I'm going to take this psalm, and I'm going to express it in my own words. It's a great way to pray um, and doing that. And you can do it with just a phrase in a psalm or an entire psalm. This morning, we did Psalm 62, verse 8. Sometimes I pray an entire psalm, okay? Either way is good. Number four, there are old hymn versions and even newer ones of a psalm as prayer. In fact, Psalm 62 was recently, when Linda and I were uh, worshiping in Florida with the church down there, uh, Sovereign Grace Churches has just released a worship song that's wonderful. That is Psalm 62, basically set to music. They paraphrased it and they did it. But this has been being done for hundreds and hundreds of years. Many of you may not uh, realize, but Joy to the World was not originally a Christmas song. It was actually uh, Isaac Watts paraphrasing Psalm 98. That's what it was. It was a psalm set to music. We just said, hey, that's a great Christmas song. And it is. Um, but there's a lot of those. You can find uh, examples. If you get an old hymn book, they will have every psalm set to music. For a long time in the church, the psalms is what was sung. 
There wasn't anything else. They just sang the psalm set to music. There are great ways, and you can actually use those as prayer. Sometimes I take, some of my prayer times this summer was I just queued up on YouTube and played that Psalm 62, and I just worshiped along with it. I was doing Psalm 121, a slow meditation for a week, and Michael Card's got a version that I love where he actually chants it in Hebrew at first, and then he sings it in English, and I would pray Psalm 121, I would study a little bit, then I would play the Michael Card version and just worship and sing along, and that was me praying out to God, okay? It's a great way to do it. Just take one of those paraphrases, do it. We're going to do that in just a couple of minutes, actually, to apply it. And then, oh, well, actually, it ties in with the fifth thing, which is sing a song based on a psalm. I remind you, we've been saying in here, singing. What we were doing this morning was praying. And when you're praying, you're worshiping. When you're worshiping, you're, you're praying. It's almost that there isn't some hard and fast line. So sometimes what I really need in crying out to God is I'm just going to play some worship music, and especially if they're based on psalms, there are some wonderful ones out there that I just draw near to God. And I'm, and if you ever experienced where sometimes you got something going on in your soul, you don't know what it is, and you hear a song, or you sing some song to God, and you're like, that's it, that's what I'm talking about right there, okay? Run with it. I, I don't have to stop and move on. Run with it. Enjoy the moment. This is, because see, again, the goal is not a specific type of prayer. The goal is what? I know Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I, I'm a person, I was laughing this morning with Robin and Margo. This will be a shock to all of y'all. I'm a person who lives by lists and organized ways of doing things, right? My phone goes off 20 times a day telling me to do things because I, I'm like, I put it in there once and I'm good to go forever. I like living that way. But see, my goal, I, I even have a list that reminds me periodically, have you done anything romantic with Linda? I'm not going to say anything bad about you. She's, she, was giving, she was giving me stink eye from the back. <laughs> so I, I have a thing that'll do that, and I try and come up, because that's the way I am. I'm structured and organized. But see, the goal, is the goal for me to check off a to-do list? What's the goal? I want to know my wife. I want to be with my wife. I want to spend time with her. This is just a means getting there. So if I'm in something and I'm trying to pray through and, and I'm supposed to move on to the next psalm, but I'm really feeding off of what I did yesterday, then just stick with it. Run with it. Go. If that's what's feeding your soul, the goal is I want to trust him at all times. How do I do that? I'm pouring out my heart to him. And if what's pouring out my heart is redoing what we did yesterday, then I'll do it again. And I'll do it again the next day if I need to until I sense it's time to move on. Okay? The Psalms will really teach you. If you, if you can't tell, I'm passionate about doing this. I remember at one, one time in our uh, pastor's prayer, it was down to me and two other guys. Uh, one, one of them is, is uh, now, he was the pastor of the Church of God right down here. Uh, one of them is now the, the head of the United Black Clergy in our county, Apostle uh, Antonio Palmer. And I remember being down at the Church of God right here, and it was him and another brother named Nolan Henson. 
they were two African-American Pentecostals. So they were, they were going around shouting to Jesus. Now, my background's charismatic and Pentecostal, so I had no problem that I could shout with Jesus too. But it was pretty funny because they were shouting to Jesus and it was just whatever came into their mind. And meanwhile, I was praying Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not. <laughs> and they laughed and they kind of said, this is kind of a wild prayer meeting. <laughs> we're over here doing our thing and you're over there praying the Psalms. So sometimes they'd even say, what's the, what's the Psalm for today? Because it, was, it became an important part of my prayer life. So this isn't just, I had to have a teaching. I want to encourage you. I want us to be, we're supposed to be a house of prayer. It's what we're called to be. It's not about just doing some little thing. We are God's people. We're people of prayer. And the Psalms are one of the greatest ways you can grow in your prayer life. So if you've been struggling, you don't know what else to do, pick one of these ways, okay? And, and all of it's there in the booklet. All these ways are listed there in your booklet. Pick one of them and say, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to start this week and let the Lord minister to you. So now what we're going to do today, obviously, we just kind of did applying the word the whole time. So we're just going to come to the Lord's table. And we're going to come and remember that this table is prepared for us by the Lord himself. And there's a psalm that speaks about God preparing a table before us, even in the presence of our enemies. Does anybody remember what that psalm is? Psalm 23. So here's what we're going to do to apply the word. I want you to stand with me, and we are going to recite Psalm 23 together. Okay, we're going to pray this out together. So let's all stand. And then we're going to come to the Lord's table in the spirit of that, and then we're actually, the worship team is going to come back up, and we're going to sing Psalm 23 in a, in a modern version of it today. So we're, we're actually going to be applying the word over the next 10 to 15 minutes, exactly what I'm talking about us doing this week. So let's uh, offer this prayer of Psalm 23 to our Lord, our Maker, our Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can be seated. Brothers and sisters, if that psalm is true of you, if you know that the Lord is your shepherd, if you know that he has called you by name, that you are his sheep, I want to encourage you, he has prepared a table before you, and I encourage you to come to that table and to receive today from the Lord at this table. Come and be fed by your shepherd, and I am not referring to myself. I'm an intermediary. The Lord is the one who feeds us at this table. And so I encourage you, as we've just expressed in prayer 
to him that he is our shepherd. Come receive from the hand of your shepherd. And if you are a guest here, you are welcome to participate with us if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a meal for those who are the Lord's sheep and know that he is their shepherd, that they are trusting in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. We sang a lot of songs about grace today. If you understand that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you are welcome to this table. If you don't believe that, then you should let the meal pass because it is a meal for God's people. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If you have your packet, you can go ahead and open the bread. Father, you are our shepherd, caring for all of our needs. But we confess that like sheep, we have all gone astray. But we also confess with that scripture that you laid our sins and iniquities on Christ so that we have returned to you the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. As your sheep, we give you thanks for the broken body of Christ, which has restored us to you. Brothers and sisters, take and eat. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You are not a hireling who abandoned us in our hour of need. As the good shepherd, you laid down your life for us. As the good shepherd, you took it up again. And as the good shepherd, you have called each of us by name. You know us. And we have heard your voice. So we come now giving thanks to you and receiving this cup from your hand. Brothers and sisters, take and drink. Spirit of the living God, I pray that you have ministered and will continue to minister right now to your people. Lord, you are the shepherd, and we are your flock. Speak to us strengthen us, encourage us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and conclude by singing your, uh, your mercy and kindness, uh, which is Psalm 23, set to music. And they make a, a big issue here. This is a paraphrase. Notice in the chorus, there's a lot in there about God's mercy and kindness coming after us and chasing us, which is a key part of this psalm. So let's sing it 
as a prayer and as a confession of faith, and then we'll close with a benediction. Isn't it good to know that wherever you go, whatever your days have for you, that his mercy and kindness will pursue you all the days of your life, and then we will wake up in glory with him. I'm going to give us a benediction now. This is going to come out of Psalm 20. I thought it was appropriate to do this for as we go, so I encourage you to receive the blessing of your God. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May the Lord give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed and grant all your requests. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, you are blessed. Go forth and be a blessing. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.